0: We have got an incredible episode for you guys today. I know it seems like I say that all the time. We've been blessed with amazing guests, but I would argue that this is going to be uh, our biggest and best episode yet. Uh, we have Rick Burgess coming on to talk about the Man Church, but specifically um, a challenging message, challenging men to take up the mantle as the, as the fathers and the spiritual leaders of their home in his personal testimony uh, of losing a child and why it was so important in his life. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast. Got an incredible episode for you today. Um, it's It's a man who needs absolutely zero introduction. Uh, under Bear Bryant, there might not be an Alabamian with more name recognition. Uh, we have Rick Burgess coming in um, to talk to us about the importance of men being the spiritual leader in their home, but specifically to tell a very personal story um, uh, of how he came to the the reality of that importance. Trials are going to come in our lives, and it's imperative that we are grounded in God's word so that we can be the rock when we go through those trials. and. Uh, I went to a man church. We'll probably talk a little bit about man church as well, where Rick was speaking. Uh, and he gave a message that absolutely just rocked me to my core. Uh, and I reached out and, and asked him to come on. And I've asked him to to kind of go through uh, what he shared at that man church. So we're going to be doing that. Um, but before we do, I want to tell you guys, please um, subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, uh, Rumble, Spotify, wherever you get the podcast, subscribe Click the bell so that you're getting notifications when the podcasts come out. Um, if there's an opportunity for you guys to write a review or leave a five-star review, do that. That helps us uh, get the content out there. And then, of course, share it on social media. Uh, people always ask, 1819 News, man, you guys are doing such a great job. What can we do to help you? Well, you can become a member uh, <laughs> and help support us financially. But if you've already done that or that's not within your means, um, share the content. Tell people about us. Get the word out. Yeah. So, um, Thank you guys for doing that. And uh, without further ado, we'll jump in. Rick. Thank you so much for taking the time to come see us.
1: Oh, what an honor to be back! Uh, you know, it was an honor for Bubba and I to come do this together, and uh, it was it was great to see you not only at you know one of the services that we're doing all over the country, you know, yeah. uh, concentrating on on discipling men, uh, but also uh, one thing that uh, I do want to mention since I'm here is you have kind of decided to be part of the team, yeah. And uh, you you and I talked about that uh, about a year or so ago, and and there's opportunities now that you're going to be going out to some of these man Yourself, I know. On uh, the third of December, you'll be down in Mobile, Alabama, yes, and you'll be part of what we're doing. And yep. and, uh, and you came and and watched that. And uh, you know, the dot is designed to reach and disciple men. We started that in March of twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, many people blame us for the pandemic, uh, <laughs> but uh, but what we were noticing is you know there was a great need. Uh, for men's ministry to to be a little more intentional. yeah, uh, You can't disciple men if you continue to speak to us like we're women and children. Mm. Uh, no matter what this world says, men and women um, are distinctly and beautifully different. They are certainly equal in value. Yeah. There's no question about that. But they're beautifully distinct. Yeah. And uh, so if you want to speak to a man the way God designed us, uh, then it needs to be you know, uh, it needs to have a certain tone. Yeah, uh, And uh, and a lot of times men's ministry uh, has been, it's really more fellowship than discipleship. And yeah. we need fellowship. There's nothing wrong with that. But we wanted to, uh, you know, go to scripture where it says to make disciples. Uh, it doesn't even say make converts. It said make disciples mm. and, and teach them all that I have commanded. Those are the words of, of Jesus that redeemed us and we're followers. So if you're going to disciple men then you gotta get your hands dirty and so we have Multiple 40 week, did you know the plural of curriculum is curricula? Did you know that? I did not know that. I learned that right now. Yeah, it feels odd to yeah. say it, but uh, so we have four 40 week curricula, mm. uh, and then we have a fifth coming out in 2024, and then we have individual resources, yeah. um, you know, uh, 31 day devotionals that are designed again for men, yeah. and then we have a 40 day devotional. So what we want to provide are the materials, not just say that we need to disciple men, but actually Provide the materials to do so, and one of the things you saw that you spoke of, yeah. and you're going to be doing, is we do high challenge, and and that's in these events, that's in these conferences, these services that you went to. Yeah. Some of them may have 50 men, some may have you know 1,200 men, yeah. uh, and some may be 3,000 men if you go to a conference. But we're we're trying to to do it all. But well, that's where someone like me or you or any of our team, our teachers, will come in and will really challenge the men. Yeah. Without the women, without the children in the room. Uh, we got this from Exodus 34, 23, and Deuteronomy 16, 16. God told uh, Moses, he said, three times a year, bring me the men. I want to mm. speak to the men without their wives, without their children, because there's we can't really talk the way we need to, yeah. and we shouldn't. Frankly, you shouldn't try to disciple a woman or a child, treating them like they're a man. Yeah. So we want an environment where men can come in and say, let's talk the way we talk. Yeah. Uh, and so we do the high challenge, which is what you saw, and we'll get into a little bit today. Yeah. but. Then we, we follow that by providing the high equipping. Even that church you went to, yeah. when they left that service, they went right into uh, small group Bible studies of the curriculum. So if you if all you ever do is challenge men, but you don't equip them, you really just frustrate us. Yeah, I mean, you've been hollering at us, you've been challenging us, yeah. and you've told us, and we're ready to go. And then we go, okay, you're going to teach us to do what you just challenged us to do. And then we go, nah, good luck on that. Yeah, so out. we want to provide the equipping, not just the challenging.
0: Yeah, no, you hear that a lot man up. Okay. Right.
1: What does that well, mean? Now what? Yeah. What right? does that, be the spiritual leader. Yeah. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. Right. No, I think that's great. Um, and it was really interesting. Even I had no idea, um, when you came in a year ago when, uh, when you came in, uh, with, with Bubba and you guys talked about the man church, I'd heard a little bit about it and my podcast had kind of turned into for like the first year of it was really, we would talk about all kinds of subjects, in my mind, eighteen nineteen news the podcast. What is it gonna be? Kind of the flagship podcast for for, you know, our our newspaper news website. We're gonna talk culture, we'll talk sports, very similar to your show, kind of really sure. how it's kind of this yeah. all this, you know, um thing. And I thought we talk barbecue, we talk football, and and then I give them some news. Well, without fail, whoever came in, uh, whether it was Rich Wingo or, you know, any of these guys would come in and we would just get down to it and say, What is the problem with Alabama? Cause that's what I'm focused on is a free and flourishing sure. Alabama. That's what we're pursuing. What is the problem? And it always comes down to men. Always. Fathers, pastors, civil magistrates, all three of those in their sphere, in their respective sphere. If fathers would repent, take up their mantle, which we're going to talk about today, um, things can change. If pastors would quit being cowards and they preach the full counsel of God's word authoritatively, not apologizing for a jot or tittle, what could happen? And then ultimately in civil magistrates over there in that civil sphere, if they would repent uh, from ruling in such a way as to gratify themselves in personal gain, um, what could happen if they ruled as though they were ruling in the fear of God? Yeah, and so those three places, if men would repent. But, but specifically, I yes, at eighteen nineteen news, we talk about politics, but at the end of the day, the 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 big change that needs to happen is if we can see churches and families begin to really make this turn. I think we'll eventually get that civil sphere. That's my focus.
1: Well, there's no question. Uh, it sounds overly simplistic, but it really is true. Uh, you know. How the men go, so goes everything. Yep. I mean, I've been all over the world. Uh, you have two, every culture you go into, whether it be Alabama or whether it be you know in the middle of Africa, yep. the same problem. If the men have abandoned their God given role, yep. there's chaos. There's it's it all falls apart. So that's kind of why we also got into this men's ministry thing, because I'm the kind of person, I hate to sit around and talk about problems if we're not going to talk about solutions. Yeah. That drives me mad. Yeah. So I'm like, every Father's Day, I keep hearing this same speech yeah. you know, about the influence that God gave a man. And, and it's true. It's the most influential force in the house, in society, in the church, as you yeah. just laid out. And so, well, if that's the case, shouldn't we be focused on that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like we would solve a lot of trouble, and then I found that most churches, and uh, especially churches like you said, that for some reason think God needs a PR agent. Yeah, you know, I got to make him more palatable. He, yeah. he doesn't need a PR agent. No. Okay, like you said, let's just say what he says. Yeah, we don't have to apologize for him. Yep. Uh But but if if that's the case, why do most churches treat? men's ministry was so do, so little regard. Yeah, You would think it would be at the forefront of the budget. It would be at the forefront of the planning, but it really isn't. No. And so what we've tried to do is say, well, if you'll just turnkey this plan, you'll have a, a a healthy functioning men's
0: ministry. And last time you were on and talked about this, uh, a guy named Pete Ream watched the podcast and decided he was going to start a man church at Government Street yeah. Baptist in Mobile. Yeah. And so uh, he's doing that. Um and I think he's working with some other churches in the area or whatever, but uh, I know um they're really excited about it and and seeing some good results. and um yeah, I'm excited to go down there and that that'll be I guess where I uh, yeah. start yeah, uh, is it is it that one? so good stuff. well, when um when I saw you speak the 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 topic, uh, if I remember it correctly was really the importance of men do not delay. Right now, as soon as you possibly can become that spiritual leader in your home, you need to be the rock because you don't know when the storm is going to come, when the trial is going to come, and you you need to be the spiritual leader when that happens. I know me personally in, in my life, it wasn't necessarily a trial, but it was a calling. Um, I have seven children, and um, I spent about five years studying the family, the importance of the man, how I'm supposed to love and lead my wife, how I'm supposed to love and lead my children. Really, you know, digging out the theology of it, the best practices, all of this stuff, um, and and the Bible talks about pastors need to, uh, if they're if they're going to be a a pastor, you you have to prove that in in the home, and that's what it says. Um, and what I've learned is because the 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 pastorate is very taxing. That the the pastor is constantly dealing with things and everything else. And if his house isn't in order, by the time he becomes a pastor, well, it's not going to now automatically no. get in order. It needs to be beforehand. Right. And so before God put 1819 in my lap to do this, um, I spent five years really working on um, getting my family in order um, and and learning how to do that and do that well. And it it still needs, you know, consistent attention and everything else. But if if had I not done that and I tried to go out and do uh, create some type of a business that's going to help the state of Alabama and, and do the things that we're doing, Um, and I and I did not have my home buttoned up, I would probably probably be divorced under a bridge somewhere right now, paying, you know, child support. Of course, yeah. Um, because the strain and the stress um that this type of vocation requires, um, my wife has been called to this too. It's not just me. She's been called to it. She knows it. Um, and and the and the children know. And um, but by the grace of God, he opened my eyes to the importance of me being that spiritual leader. Years before he gave me this mission, and and I'm and I'm grateful for that. And so, I want to just kind of open it up for you to to share your story, kind of your testimony, um, and really what you shared that night.
1: Well, uh, I have five kids, so I guess you win. But uh, so, <laughs> but um, so when um, when Sherry and I were married, I had I had just become a follower of Christ, and yeah. through the process of our marriage counseling, uh, a pastor. The yeah. kind that you we want. Uh, I didn't have a church. Of course, I was still you know redeemed. I yeah. just didn't. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. All yeah. that garbage. And so he he pointed into my life. I was i I'd, I'd been married for two years. It was divorced. I had two small children. Uh, I was a complete hellion. And he pointed that out when I came to talk to him about marrying Sherry in his church, because of course I was going to have a church wedding, even though I, you know, and cultural Christianity, which is Alabama's problem. A lot of times everybody in Alabama thinks they're going to heaven. And uh, just because they're in Alabama and they're part of the Bible Belt. And so he called me on pointing to the sin that was in my life, kind of like Jesus did. The woman at the well, what did he do? He began to point to the sin in her life. Yeah. You know, And and he said, I'll forgive you, but I'm calling you to repentance. You know, People always say, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah, but when he left, they were the ones changed, not him. Mm. And when he was with sinners, he called them to repentance. He didn't become like them. He told them they needed to become like him Amen. and that he would redeem them and transform them into something he was more comfortable with. Yeah. He didn't try to make himself more comfortable to them. Yeah. He told them that they needed to become more comfortable with him yeah. and he would redeem them. And he loved them, no doubt, but he called them to repentance. Yeah. So anyway, so this guy kind of pointed out that he didn't see any evidence of transformation in my life. And so he said, I have too much respect for the power of Christ to believe you've truly been redeemed because your life doesn't say a whole lot about Jesus. Yeah. There, there's no evidence of him at all. And he said, People don't, men don't go to church with their families to be, be redeemed. They go to church with their families because they have been redeemed. They want to be there. They mm. desire to be there. as the result of your redemption. And so finally, he broke me down, and I couldn't argue with that. And so my wife and I entered into marriage counseling and and he led us into a proper relationship with Christ. So uh, we repented, we were redeemed, We came under the authority of Christ. We were married in holy matrimony. And so, like a lot of men, I'm just putting this on myself, yeah, I was married to and am married to a woman who has great study habits, was great in school. And I was the guy who said, Well, I don't read the Bible much because I don't like to read. Yeah. Okay. Well, my wife was just consuming the word of God. She was, you know, really getting involved in the church and and I was like, Well, I've been redeemed now, but I don't want to get carried away with it. And and so what happened in my home, which happens in far too many homes, yeah. is she became the spiritual leader of the home. Mm. And she and 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 so the children started seeing in me that we were going to church because Mama wanted to go, not because Dad did. Dad was reluctantly going to appease Mom. So they were not buying into it because she doesn't have the influence that I do. She's certainly important, and she has a maternal connection to them that I don't have. She can't be replaced either. But the influence and the leadership of, of every single man watching this right now that role cannot be filled by anyone else. Yep. And and as you well, you know, I'm going to tell you an, a harsh example of that. Yeah. So she was really getting into the word of God and really growing. And so she and she's a stepmom already to two small children. She gets pregnant with our first child and our first son that we had that she had biologically. Well, when the pregnancy went great, and I had just become a follower of Christ for 3 years at this point and still was not leading spiritually in the home. And um, so when she had problems in the pregnancy, she had a placenta abruption and they were afraid that this child was not going to survive and she may not either. So they took her in for a emergency C-section and it's incredible how God prepares you for things. And so I walk out in the hall and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And, and none of our family had gotten there yet. Cause she had just started labor. So we had hours we thought yeah. until this happened. And, I remember the doctor scrubbing in, and he said, you should pray. And so I began to pray to God, who I did know now. And I said I had been redeemed, but I was a spiritual infant. And I began to cry out to God to save my wife and save my son. So the door opens up, and I see them holding my son. And the doctor points to him and gives me a thumbs up. And he points to my wife and gives a thumbs up and basically says, she's not bleeding as bad as we thought. We got to the baby in time. They're both going to survive. They're both going to be fine. So I went out into the hall, and I began to praise God. And they said, look, we'll let you come here in a minute and hold your baby. And da, da, da. And I said, okay, this is great. Thank you, Lord, for saving my son, saving my wife. And I was just praising God. And I heard, Brian, so clear in my spirit, the Lord God Almighty said this statement, what if they had died? Mm. And I was like, why am I hearing that in my spirit? What if they had died? You're praising me because you got what you wanted. Yeah. But what if my decision today was that they both die? Would I be any less great? Mm. Would I still be receiving the glory? Would you still have faith in me? Would you still trust me? Would you do what I called you to do? Could you handle what you would need to do? Wow. And I, you know, and I took that home and I remember telling people about that, even telling Sherry about that, but that was a game changer. And what I did not know is why God was saying that to me. It seems obvious, but it was even bigger because another test was going to come nine years from that day that was going to go a different way. Yeah. So I did begin to come to the conclusion, as I would tell every man, if you say like I did, because this is on me, I'm not savvy with the Word of God. I don't know the Word of God. I don't know that much about God but it's not because I don't love it. It's because I don't have good study habits. I don't like to read. Yeah. And these are things I said.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, here's what God convicted me of. But yet I was an expert on deer hunting. Yeah. I was an expert on fishing. I was an expert on my favorite football team. How did I learn all that? Yeah. If I didn't have good study habits and I didn't like to read, how was I an expert on those things? Yeah. And here was the conviction. I had to come to the conclusion, you may do it a different way than your wife does. My wife will sit down and read for hours. That's yeah. not how I do it. Yeah. But what I was convicted of is that I was actually very well acquainted and was an expert on everything I loved, mm. everything I deemed of value. And the only reason why I didn't know the Word of God and couldn't spiritually lead my house was because I didn't love it. Yeah. And so I just got on my face and repented and said, Lord, I know that you love me. Teach me to love you. Wow. Give me a desire for this. And so I started getting involved in Bible studies and letting other people teach me. I started gradually learning the Word of God. And so over the next nine years, I began to grow up spiritually, and I began to be be able to handle the Word of God in my home and, and slowly but surely take the role of the spiritual leader. Now, at that time, I still thought that my Called to be a spiritual leader in my home wasn't as important as other homes because my wife was so solid. Yeah. She knew the word of God forward and backward, powerful woman of God. So she has uh, child number four and then child number five. And we're sitting there, we got five children. Uh, we have an, a, a little boy, two and a half years old, named William Bronner Burgess. So we had Brandy, Blake, Brooks, Brody, Bronner, or as I called them, JoJo, Boomer, uh, Big Love, Tasmo and cornbread that was their nicknames for me and it all fit them perfectly so um so i'm i'm now going out and speaking and teaching and so i'm in uh, i'm in tennessee speaking at a youth conference because as you all know if you're in the entertainment business and you come to know Christ, you have to go speak to youth. everybody I don't know where that's written down. So I hadn't <laughs> even really started men's ministry at that time. It was like, oh, you're the guy on the radio, you got to go to the youth conference. yeah so you know and so I was and it was an honor to be there uh, yeah. with uh, Scott Dawson, who you know, yeah. you know no, a- he, and he's part of our team too. so so I'm there and um, I'm doing all the different sessions and at that uh, at that conference, uh, you spoke six times at three different arenas. So you would literally speak at Arena 1, get in a van, they drive you to Arena 2, you walk in just in time for the last song, you speak again, get in the van, they take you to Arena 3, same thing, and then back to 1 and you do it again. So I was between, in between session 5 and 6, and I noticed that my phone had begun buzzing while I was um, up there speaking. I didn't think anything about it really. And I got in the van to go to the last two sessions, and I noticed it was from my house. And I thought, well, you know, this as a father of seven, hey, daddy, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, it could be anything like that. Yeah. I'd never thought it was anything serious. Yeah. And I thought, well, I got a few minutes. I'll call back and just say hey to everybody or whatever is yeah. is. I'm going to the next deal. And I'll let them know my situation, And but I got the call. And my wife immediately picks up, and she's frantic. And she says, you got to get everybody there to pray. And I said, what, what's going on? And she said, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how he got out. And I'm like, "What, baby, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? And she said the baby got out of the house, has fallen in the pool and has drowned. And I'm five hours away by car. And I had driven there and I was like, What? She said, I don't have time to talk to you. They're trying to bring him back. You know, all, all the all the emergency vehicles are here. Tell everybody to pray. Boom. And she hangs up. And I'm sitting in that van and I'm like, what just happened? And I tell the driver, and of course he's distraught and So I go and I walk into the arena and Scott Dawson sees me. He says, what's wrong? And I told him and he said, well, you can't, you got to go home. And I'm like, I I know. How do I get home? What do I, I I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, your mind's just like, what am I supposed to do next? So a friend of mine drove me to my hotel for me to get my stuff. And he said, I'll drive your truck back or somebody in my family will. You got to get on a plane. We got to get you an airplane. So luckily some friends of mine, it's hard to remember at the time. I didn't really know. I, matter of fact, I saw the pilot a few years ago and he said, Do you even know who I am? I said, I don't. He said, I flew you home to your wife. And I, I didn't remember who he was. You know, you're just, it's a different thing. Yeah. So they get me to the plane. And, and as I'm moving to the airport, I tr- keep trying to call the hospital, uh, Children's Hospital of Alabama. And so when I call, finally, Somebody picks up, and I said, I'm, I'm Rick Burgess. My son is there. My wife is there. I need an update. And they said, what is your son's name? And I told them. And they said, hang on. So they put me on hold. Well, then the chaplain picked up. Mm-hmm. And soon as the chaplain picked yeah. up, and the chaplain said, Mr. Burgess, are you alone? And I had a friend of mine driving, but I wasn't really talking about him. I said, I'm never alone. Yeah. And for some reason, Brian, it was so odd I don't even know why the Holy spirit would prompt me to do this. I said to the chaplain, it's a hard night for you. isn't it? this is a hard job. And, and the chaplain was like, what? I said, I just can't imagine you keep having to call people and tell them stuff like this. Wow. And, uh, then the chaplain was like, are you, I said, "I I just, God just want me to tell you that, I guess. Wow. And so the chaplain said, your son did not survive. And, and people are here with your wife and, and, um, you just need to get here. I said, okay. So, so they, I get in the airplane, and I remember sitting down, and what was really odd, I remember looking, and I saw the moon. It was a beautiful full moon, and I remember thinking that was odd that the moon was where it was supposed to be. I thought, well, doesn't the whole world know that, that it, everything's over? Mm-hmm. This is total calamity. And I sat down because, you know, I'm not the guy three years into my, my relationship with Christ. I'm the guy who's now 12 years in. Yeah. And I remember just saying out loud, what are you doing to God? Yeah. What are you teaching me? Because I know that you're the giver and taker of life because I celebrated you nine years ago for giving life. And I know this was your call because if I don't believe you allowed this and I have to believe you couldn't stop it. Mm. Think about that. So, so he couldn't stop that. Of course, he could. Yeah. You know. And so I said, "So, what are you teaching me?" Wow. I want to know what I'm learning. I don't want to miss this because this is a lesson I don't want to go back to. And so I just begin to work it out with God, and I begin to pray. And the thing that I kept sensing was this was going to be a test, and that the whole world that from the platform that God has given us, and all these things I'd said about Christ and my redemption they were all looking to see if it was real what will he do now yeah my very, my brother my brother was there talking to my mother and father and he said this is going to go one or two ways there won't be any in between we're about to find out that he's devoted to god in a way that none of us could even imagine or he's going to rebel
0: mm.
1: that's just his personality it's not going to be one way or the other yeah and so when he said i'm praying it's the first and not the latter mm. So I remember coming out of the plane and hearing the word "perplexed" over and over again. I want them to be perplexed like this reaction was going to be supernatural and I stepped off the plane um, and I just kind of felt like I was being held up by the Holy Spirit. I couldn't even feel my feet touching the ground and I walked into the the hospital and supernaturally out of i, could, I you ever heard yourself say something you're like, "Where did that even come yeah. from?" And I turned around and I said. Satan has grossly miscalculated this. He should have never done this to us. Wow. He should have never fallen into this. God's allowed him to do this because he knows that, he, that, that God is going to be glorified and Satan's going to look like a fool. Wow. I will be even more devoted to Christ than I've ever been. All this has done has made me more devoted. And and there, matter of fact, Todd Jones, who's uh, on our team and speaks for us, he said that was the moment and that moment that changed his life forever. He said, "That's when I realized that the, there's a relationship with Christ I need to have." Wow! Because he, he said, "Nobody would do that, and I wouldn't do that." I mean, that yeah. was supernatural. So, my wife wrote a book about this moment, and it's called Bronner A Journey to Understand* by Sherry Burgess. Uh, it's it's out there. It it probably Andy Andrews, who's you know a very well known Alabama author. He said, I've read many attempts at this books, and he said, I usually only take away from these books that have been done before this one, With which is good, with kind of, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Yeah. He said, but not this one. My wife went over this for five years, and he said, this is the best book on where God is in pain and suffering. It has no equal. Wow. And because she took five years, not five months, yeah cuz there's it's too much to learn yeah but in chapter 4 of the book she talks about this evening a woman who's devout in her faith and here's what she said she said when i was in the emergency room and they were trying to revive my my baby i i was praying for him to be to be you know, brought back to life and i heard myself say what i could not say not my will lord but your will be done mm. and She said, I couldn't pray that. Of course, Romans chapter 8 says those that are redeemed, the Holy Spirit will intervene and pray what we ought to be praying. It will correct our prayers.
0: Mm.
1: And she said, and the doctor looked at me and said, we cannot revive him. We're going to have to stop. And she said, when they gave the baby's body to me, she said, I began to rock him. And she said, I looked up and our pastor was coming to comfort me. And there was an awkwardness to this. She said, then I looked and there were members of our family that were coming and and they got close to me and they were all there. And I saw friends of ours coming. And she said, but there was an awkwardness in the whole situation because of what was the overreaching truth. Mm. She said, even though the pastor had a role, our friends had a role, our family had a role to play. They knew it and I knew it. None of them could be my husband. Wow. None of them could be the children's father so we waited on him because no one could replace him wow now what now what if i had decided to stay in that spiritual infancy you think if I walked into that moment and said, hey, babe, I don't know where, where God is and all this. I don't know what scriptures say right now. You know this stuff, right? Uh, I can tell you how the game went, though. I saw a really cool football game today, and I'll tell you how my team's doing. Or would, Hey, kids, I know your little brother just died. You want me to throw you, show you how to throw overhanded? Be sure you throw it straight. Show you how to catch the football, how to throw it. You want me to go out? You want to go deer hunting with daddy? Uh, I, these are the things I know. Y'all want to go fishing? I, I, I mean, I, I just don't like to read. I, I just didn't. And, you know, don't think that I don't care about this, guys, and I don't have these answers because I just didn't. I just didn't like to read, so I can tell you all these other things I'm an expert on. See, I would think I would. I really would think that would have fallen a little flat. Yeah, I don't think they wanted to hear about all the things I really loved. I think they wanted to hear what I had to say about in this fallen world. Where is God and all this, Dad? And I'm thankful
0: that I had the answers. Man, yeah. thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, um, really and truly. Um, I'm affected by it now as much as I was the first time I heard you say it then. I can't imagine. Um, and I think, you know, with that, I think that is, that's the challenge. And that's kind of what you say in the man church that we need to be challenged and and we need to be able to learn from what you went through. Um, and praise God that he got a hold of you nine years prior to that. Yeah. Right. So that you would be prepared for that moment that he knew was coming. Um, and I would say to the men who are watching this, what's what's gonna happen when a storm and a trial comes in your life? What are you gonna do? Are you there? Are you ready? Are you prepared to be the rock in your family? You need to know. Uh, and it's not an overnight thing. You can't just, you know, but 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 it, with God's help over time, you know, there's podcasts out there, there's sermons you can listen to, there's Bible studies, there's the man church. Um we need to make a, a cognizant, decisive effort to be the spiritual leader in our home, and and not rest and not be happy until we've done that. Yeah, you can't can't farm that out to somebody else,
1: not even your wife.
0: Yeah. Well, um, there's so many things that are rattling through my head, and I think the biggest thing, I want to talk um, a little bit more about Man Church, where, um, you know, is there... My audience is Alabama. Is there lots of those in Alabama? Where can people go?
1: Oh yeah, I mean they're they're going on everywhere, and and one of the best ways to find out if there's one near you is to go to the you know the events there, and if you see we've got men speaking somewhere at a man church service, then you know well that church is doing the discipleship strategy. So you could also get into the small groups. Yeah. Um, you know if you you know maybe you're watching this and you're the lay person at your church that should lead the men's ministry, maybe yeah. you should do it. Well, all you got to do is go there. I mean, we, we've set it up. I, I Look, we set it up by the way men are, not how everybody wishes we were. Yeah. So you, you know, none of our curriculum send you home with a bunch of homework that we know you're not going to do. Yeah. Uh, it's got a 12 to 15-minute video, and, and I do all the curriculum where I'm setting up the sessions. And then we give you an easy-to-follow study guide. Anybody can facilitate one. Uh, and we're, we have men that said, I've never led a small group in my entire life, but I can lead this. Yeah. And, um, you know, we we try to give you the things you need to understand. Like the first curriculum we ever put out is called The Pursuit. The first five weeks is identity.
0: Yeah.
1: What's my identity? You know, Jesus said when we've been redeemed, we have a new identity. He's our identity, not what we do for a living, not our hobbies. You know, he's our new identity. Yeah. And so what we do is uh, that one's based on a Christ-centered masculinity Masculinity has been corrupted, and masculinity in and of itself is not a bad thing. It just need to be needs to be redeemed like anything else. Yeah, and uh, so we talk about that, and then we have individual resources. You might be somebody saying, "I want to start this, man. I don't even know where to start." Well, we we have some good thirty one day devotionals. Uh, transformed the one, you know that uh, you got a copy of that. Yeah. We put that out this past year, and it walks through. Have I been transformed by Christ? Yeah. and it, and it challenges you to look at these verses that said you should be. And here's what that looks like. And then we got another one coming out in 2024, which you talk about counterculture. It's going to be called sin always matters. Yeah. And, uh, so that, that's a doozy, but, but we can help you. And if you're somebody says, I just want to study the Bible. I've never really done it. Where should I start? I'd say the gospel of John.
0: Yep, let I John let
1: John introduce you to Jesus.
0: Yeah,
1: you know that's a that's a great one to start with, yeah. and um, and you know you, you can do it. And like you just said, I started out listening to sermons. I started out listening to Bible studies because I like learning that way. And then yeah. that gave me a taste. Now I do read more than I ever have before. Yeah, but I had to get a, a yearning for it from somewhere. Yeah, because before I never did read much, and and uh, now I read it because I'm so excited about what I'm going to learn.
0: Yeah. And the feedback that I've heard from people who've been to the man church, um, you know, in in the big, the big speech, the challenge is great, but when they go and they get into the classes and they see those 15 minute videos, they're just like, man, it's incredible the conversation. And so um, that's it. And, and being able to, we all have, whether the man church was there or not, we're responsible for doing it. Now you've created something that's going to make it uh, attainable, I think, for a lot more men, and I think that's yeah. what God's given you this. Thank you. Well, I found out when I first started
1: it, I didn't want to do it like yeah. everybody else. I was like, you know, it's all. Why don't we have a good men's ministry? You want to do it? No, you know. And <laughs> and then God was like, well, why don't you do it? Yeah. But when I started doing it, the thing I kept running into, even the men that were willing to do it. There weren't that many of them, and it's all right, let's change that, but there weren't that many of them that could expository teach. Now, I, I thought people knew what that meant, and I didn't for yeah. the longest. Now, I'm talking shop. That just means word-for-word study yeah, of a book up, of a book of the Bible. Well, a lot of men weren't comfortable with that. Yeah. So i try to find books and stuff for them to do. Farrar's got some good – but none of those were designed to be curriculum, though. Yeah. They were designed for a man to read it himself. And, um, and so they kept coming back to me every – six to 10 weeks and go, what am I teaching next? And if they couldn't teach books of the Bible, I didn't have much for them. So I thought, well, if that's my problem, it's probably a lot of churches' problems. So let's start creating curriculum for men like we do for children, for youth, for women, for adult classes, right? If we we have curriculum for all that, why don't we have it for men?
0: So we created that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um to me, I, I you know, there's a I want to say it's Henry David Thoreau says for every thousand chopping at the leaves of evil, there's one chopping at the root. Mm. And so you know, we we look at all these issues. You see all the anxiety, the depression, the, you know, whatever uh, misbehaving children, all, all of the the leaves, and you get down to that root, and and then and the root is biblical manhood. It is absolutely what are these guys doing? So um, really excited to to see what you're doing. Excited to be part of it.
1: Well, we're honored um, that you were there. If you want one of the greatest compliments we've ever been paid was by was by some women in a church in South Georgia. They did a Tuesday night prayer service, and a woman stood up and said, "I heard you brought that man church thing to our church for our men." And the pastor said, "Yes." She said, "What are you going to do for the women?" And another woman said, "That is what he did for the women." Mm-hmm. She said, yeah. my husband has been radically changed by the word of God. He is studying the Bible like he never did before. Nothing that had ever been done here in men's ministry has given the result in my husband that this has. This is what he did for the women.
0: And that's the prayer of most of these women. It's not for them to grow. It's like literally God fixed my husband. I can't tell you how many women I've talked to that They're that's exhausted. the prayer. God, why can't I have a husband who loves you and leads me? Right. They don't want to
1: be, I mean, there's some women that try to, you know, they're they're in sin because they're trying to undermine their husband and they don't respect him. But the overwhelming majority have just been put in that row and they don't want it. Yep, Yep. They're exhausted with it. That's correct.
0: Well, good stuff. Um, Rick Burgess, thank you.
1: Thank you, brother. Thanks for trusting me and thanks for giving me access to the platform.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go into an overtime segment next. You're not going to want to miss that. Go to the website. There's a button. Become a member. Click that. Uh, Memberships start at $5 a month, and you can uh, sign up to support us financially. And what you'll get is access to behind-the-scenes content. You'll get cool merch, depending on what levels you jump in. Uh, But we're going to be talking about um, the fake world, Uh, this world that's been foisted upon us that men can be women, women can be men, all of the nonsense. And then we're watching the epic fails with Bud Light and Target and all this other stuff. We're, We're finally starting to reject this fake world, this trash world, Uh, that's been foisted upon us. So Rick and I are going to jump in and talk about that. Until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry.